Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I am a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Today's episode is a mini-sode that we call Fried Dates with the Wife. In these mini-sodes, my wife Kim and I deconstruct the strategies that we've developed over the last decade to not only grow personally, but to turn our struggles into lessons and create fulfillment in all areas of our lives. Excuses are over. It's time to live. Let's dig into today's topic. All right, before we jump into this episode, I want to invite you to be considered for my Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind by completing an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. So this mastermind is not like any mastermind you may have been to or heard of, I promise you. This mastermind is for six to seven figure entrepreneurs that are working too damn much and aren't taking the time to have amazing experiences around the world with an incredible tribe of people. So every 100 days or so, I drop you into new experiences that are specifically designed to elevate your thinking, to give you new ideas. Look, you get your best ideas not staring at a computer. And actually, this is the way high-level people really collaborate with each other. They do it over a glass of champagne, watching the sunset in the south of France. And we'll be doing things just like that. In fact, we'll be taking a vintage car ride through the French Riviera this summer. And we'll be truffle hunting in Florence in the fall, to name just a few of the experiences so that I can give you a feel for it. So if you are ready to do some fun stuff around the world and really, really want to level up your tribe in one shot, fill out an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. We'll jump on a call and we'll see if it's a good fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Well, Kimberly, I am not a marriage counselor, Murgatroyd. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, honey? I am really, really good. I'm enjoying Europe. I am enjoying... Say it. Go ahead. You're enjoying Montenegro? I am enjoying Montenegro. I'm ready for Montenegro to be in my rearview mirror at this point. It's been uh, way too long in Montenegro. We are hiding out in this country. If we ever need to go off the grid, we know where to go. We're hiding out because uh, for those of you that know this, uh, when you travel in Europe, you're only allowed 90 days, uh, 90 consecutive days. And we're, we're doing four months, which takes us over by a month, which means we have to do 30 days-ish somewhere outside of what they call the Schengen countries. And Montenegro is not one of them. And we did a couple of weeks here and we're headed to Dubrovnik tomorrow, which is also a non-Schengen country. So, um, well, Croatia would be the non-Schengen country. And uh, but listen, this it's a is a lot of information. It's a lot of information, but that's what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to give people information that's going to change their life, and part of that is going to be how we have the best, most perfect relationship. Never had a fight ever and our relationship is just it's just wonderful. So we're going to we're going to spew our relationship advice because we get asked constantly about relationship questions. Yeah. So I'm going to let you kind of lead me through this. What's uh, what's on your heart, honey? Well, honey, I love you. That's what's on my heart. But more than that, we've gotten a lot of questions. So from time to time, we'll post in our social media 
you know, what are your questions? And inevitably, we will get bombarded with relationship questions as well as other topics. But relationships really um, are the thing that I think you and I have done a really good job of uh, working out. And, you know, like he said, we are not marriage counselors, relationship counselors. We just know what has worked for us. And, you know, our backstory in relationship, I can really give the kudos to my uh, my dear husband over there. We both came into our relationship now, I guess, about 15 years ago after um, each having a failed marriage. And we came into it, not with the whole like screw marriage, one eye open, but more like if we're going to enter this kind of arrangement again, we're going to need to do some work first. And I'm huge kudos goes to RVM over there for pushing us to do the work, do different Tony Robbins events, UPW, Date with Destiny, to do, of course, um, his relationship series that he did with his wife and uh, Chloe Madonis, and then um, Gottman work. And by the way, if you hear giggling in the background, that is our very happy four-year-old right now. And uh, so there's a little four-year-old warning shot there. But... You know, we did all of these uh, different books and um, podcasts and courses, and it worked, you know? So we are going to go through today some of the questions. We'll see how many we get done and how chatty we are on these topics uh, that have come from our audience. Are you ready? I am so ready. All right. So the first one is, how do you manage your expectations of each other? And I'm going to let you start and see what you say. And then we'll go to me and we'll see if we agree. How about that? We need a guy here that does like whammies. Uh, like, a, like a ref. Um, <laughs> I, I am taking exception to the assumption that's built into the question. And the assumption is that we have an expectation of each other. And I don't have... I don't want to say I have no expectation of you because that would be a lie. I, I do like to eat and I expect that you're going you're gonna to feed me, right? That's so funny because one of the questions is can't Rob feed himself? So I do, I do <laughs> have that expectation. I just, I don't know. I just, I don't feel that I have this, you know, this deep seated expectation of what I expect from you, which is, which is why I'm having trouble answering this. Like, okay. So I'll give you an example. I make the bed in the morning, right? I make the bed in the morning because I want the bed made right when I wake up. Right. So that's something I want. I have an expectation that I want the bed made. I don't put that expectation on you. I put that expectation on me because I want to have it done. Okay. So pause for a second, because this is really interesting. Back in the day when you used to go to work and you woke up at five in the morning and did all of your things and snuck out the door before I even got out of bed, the bed didn't get made. And you would come home at night and did you yell at me? No, I just made the bed. You just made the bed or you made it in, he's like, it's like having someone in your house that works at the Ritz. He will make the bed and then he will do turndown service. So he, he will just come home and the bed could be a disaster and he would do turndown service. And there was never a, Kim, can't you make the bed? 
I mean, you're home all day. Can't you just make the bed? Like that never one time happened. And I'm grateful because I'm not a person that's going to bounce out of bed and make the bed. Although I will have you know who made the bed the entire time we were in Montenegro. You did. You want to know why? Mm, Let me see if I can think about this. Why did you make the bed? Because you don't normally do it. I actually don't know the answer to that. Are you ready for this? Uh Because I know how much you enjoy having the bed made. And because again, you've been getting out of bed earlier than me and you were going to be home, I decided to surprise you every day and have the bed made for you. See that? This is like we can end the relationship session here. I mean, this is, it's, it's things like that right now. Look, so what's the reverse? The reverse is, and we're just using this in like, as you can, as you can see, this bed issue has never been a topic for us. So we're, we're using a neutral topic. But if you're somebody that, if we continue on with this topic, let's say that the person said, hey, look, you know, would it kill you to make the bed? I come home, I worked all day. Can you just make the bed for me, please? And then the other person gets what? Defensive, right? They get defensive and they're like, well, you have no idea what it's like. I have to... I I had to do this. I had to do that. This is not a priority for me. And then you go back and forth and back and forth, right? So you have these high, to answer your original question, you have these high levels of expectations on each other. I think that, you know, they, they had asked the Danish people why they are considered one of the happiest people on earth. Do you know what their answer was? What? Low expectations. That's really funny. So to talk about this though, you just said something and Here's the difference. If somebody is saying, why didn't you take the trash out? Couldn't you cut the lawn? Would it kill you to make the bed? Why can't you this? Why can't you that? All that nagging. There's something underlying that if you ever came home, and even though you weren't home all day, and you came home and you were like, damn it, Kim, can you just make the bed when I'm gone? I'd be like, what the hell do you care? You're gone, you know? But there's something underlying in that. And what you and I have talked about in open, honest conversations and getting to know each other that possibly people don't talk about is what you, what kind of an environment do you like being in? So Rob enjoys being in places that don't have a lot of knickknacks running like all over the place. I hate fucking knickknacks. He, not other people's knickknacks. So if you have them, rock it out. But he doesn't want that in his home. He likes clean spaces, flat surfaces with nothing on it. He likes everything to be neat and organized and put away. And if we back this up, it's probably some childhood control thing that he had, or maybe he's just this way, whatever it is. However, he has it. And it is a 10 out of 10 for him. He wants clean, neat, organized, 10 out of 10. I don't care. I'm like the Aquarius over here, just chilling. I am not going to live in a pig style, but I am not neat, clean, have to have everything put away. He doesn't actually, I actually need things organized. He can hide a pile of papers in a drawer and can be, be completely satisfied with that, where I would have anxiety about the papers in the drawer not being organized. I don't mind if they're not organized on the counter. I just don't need them shoved somewhere unorganized. So, you know, the point in all of that is that we have the conversation about what his expectation or what he would like to live in. 
And whoever has a higher need wins. And so his need for neat, organized, clean spaces supersedes any need that I have because I really don't care. So we kind of like um, to give you something that is um, helpful in this area. We not, we uh, we assign a numerical value to it, right? So we don't get super over engineered about this. But on a scale of one to ten, how is how important is it for me to have um, flat, clean surfaces and an organized house? It's pretty high. It's probably an eight or a nine for me. It's a big deal. Oh, it's a twelve. So it's a twelve. Okay. So <laughs> you're probably right. So as a result of that. Thing being a 12 for me, I even though it's a 12, I still don't have the expectation of her to do it because it's my 12. But because she knows that it's a 12 for me, she's like, look, you know, there are other things that are 12 for me that he does. So I'm going to give this to him. So I, I want him to have what he wants. So she could just as easily say and has when I cross the line, hey, look, stop cleaning my shit up for the 15th time because I had important papers there. Um, I wish that you wouldn't move them. And then I know that I've, um, I've crossed that barrier that I shouldn't. But by and large, she also knows that because it's so important to me, she gives me a lot of grace in my neuroses, in making sure that, you know, I have no dishes in the sink, that I have nothing, you know, that the surfaces are smooth and clean. But the point is that we have a self-awareness enough to know about each other, where the landmines are and how important it is to each other. And also with expectations, like, you know, what does Tony say, right? Um, change your expectation to appreciation. Mm-hmm. So, in your marriage, okay, if, if in your relationship, in your marriage, if you have expectations, write down the expectations you have of that other person. Are those things a part of their natural inclination? Is it in their zone of genius? Is it something they naturally do? Because like, for example, Rob, had his other neuroses is the dishes. I can completely put my head on a pillow at night if there is a dirty dish in the sink, I do not have to clean that dish. I do not have to have it dried and put away. That is not my neur- neuroses. I can't even hear that. I, I can't even hear you say that. No. And so guess what? If your expectation is that there are no dishes to be left in the sink, well, then the buck stops with you <laughs> because you can't put your expectation and demand that of the other person because you have two perfectly good hands that work as well and you can clean the dish. So write your list of expectations and where you believe your partner is falling short and then ask yourself, is this actually their expectation? Because if it's not their expectation, however, it's your expectation, then the buck is going to have to stop with you. And if it drives you that crazy, then go do the dishes yourself. And that's something that we haven't said that to each other, but it's kind of how we live our life. So do I have an expectation that he will take the trash out? Probably because it's mostly heavy, but have I ever done it? Sure. If the trash is full, I take the trash out. There is no like, oh, Rob didn't do it again. He just put one more bottle in the trash. Like that kind of shit doesn't happen in my house because it's not that big of a deal. It's kind of like when people get married and they do this whole drama over whether kids should be allowed at the wedding or not allowed at the wedding or, 
oh my gosh, are we going to have chicken? Or are we going to have this or that? No one's going to fucking remember that in five years. No one cares. So if if the things that are irritating you about your partner, write them down and find out if that is their expectation as well. And here's the other fun fact. If you have all these expectations and your partner's not meeting the expectations and you guys are fighting about these things, my guess is there's a bigger issue underlying. So all of these little things are the straw that broke the camel's back because in in reality, they're not that big of a deal. Two things are coming up are coming up for me. One is um, horse trading. I think couples get into a lot of horse trading. I did this for you. Why don't you do this for me? Right? Oh, yes. And that is... Um, that I do is, this, this, and this. Why can't you do that? That is that, a that. recipe for freaking disaster. We don't live our lives that way with each other at all. We, we, don't, we don't live our lives in relationship with anybody that way. My best friends, I do not horse trade with people. So... The way we approach it is I really try and listen to what she's saying. So if I hear if I hear you saying something two or three times, then I know it's important to you. And I will say, okay, this, you know, in my head, this is important to her. So, you know, my day in my head was going to be to do this, this, and this, but she's letting me know that there are there are some areas here that um, that she wants to get done or that we need to do and we need to handle it. So I will, I don't have to, ha- I don't have to have a conversation with her and then I'll have to say, so, you know, I have all these other things that I needed to do. Why, why do we have to do these things? Once I recognize that this is an area that is important to her, then I'm just going to step into it and I'm going to do it. And I'm, and, and what I try and do is I try and do things well, honestly, because it's my pleasure. You know, there are many things that I want to do out of pleasure for her. And it isn't out of, you did this for me, so I'm just going to I'm gonna make sure that I try and do this for you. I don't really care, to be honest with you. I want to do things because I love her and I want her to feel taken care of. I want her to feel great. I want her to feel loved. And and even beyond all of that, I want to do it just because I love her. And I that makes sense. It makes perfect sense to me. So that, I mean, that kind of leads us to, I wasn't even kidding. Why can't Rob feed himself? This is a really funny one. And that kind of leads to this. So, you know, we we have a, a relationship where we've talked about this in previous podcasts, where we play at a high level relationship Meaning, like I think Tony Robbins is it Tony Robbins that does level one, two, and three. So, yeah. So if we play at the highest level relationship, then what lights Rob up lights me up, and I want that for him. And so when I wake up here in Montenegro and I don't have a, a gazillion things on my to do list, and I know he's going to be here, and I know it would really, really make his day to see the bed made. And even if it's subconscious, because I don't even think he realized I was making the bed until I said it, Mm-mm, right? I didn't. But you didn't have to do it. And I know that that- cre- I just knew it felt good. You just knew it felt good. So those things, we're playing at a high level relationship where I'm constantly looking and saying, what can I do to help him? What can I do to make this better for him? What would he like right now? I'm trying to anticipate his needs and show up in that way as someone that's loving and caring and all of those things. So it takes us to why can't Rob feed himself? This is like the, the running joke. So when I leave, 
the house, let's say I go on a girl's weekend for five days or I go to an event for three days. I have always, since we've been together, prepped his food. I will label that stuff Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, snacks, all of those things because I want him to feel, it's not that Rob can't make chicken. It's not that he can't make his own meal. I want him to feel loved and like I took care of him. And even when I'm not there, I'm still thinking about him and I'm still, you know, showing up as the wife I want to be, not as the wife he expects me to be, but the wife that I want to be. He is a full grown man. This man can take care of himself. I promise you, he did long before I ever showed up. But I want to show up as a different type of wife. I enjoyed watching my grandparents when I was young take care of each other. And that's what I wanted in my relationship. So, you know, a lot of people are like, oh my God, Kim, this is so crazy. I can't believe you do any of these things for him. This is how I show love. And this is how I show the wife that I want to be. So this Rob can feed himself. He he just likes it more when I do it. And well, I like it, it more. Let me give you an example. Okay, so, the, <laughs> so this morning, um, I am, uh, we have this this beautiful place in Montenegro, you know, where I, I, there's just a giant yoga studio that's at the top of the, uh, the building here of where we're staying. And uh, in the morning, because that faces the mountains, it overlooks the bay. It's just spectacular. It's a beautiful place to meditate. And I meditate in the mornings. And uh, so this morning after my meditation, I was like, oh, I haven't had my coffee yet. And so... I get up to go down to get the coffee, but sit, sitting right next to my chair is hot coffee with my glasses covering the top of it so it stays warm for me. We didn't have to, we didn't have a conversation about it. How do you think I felt knowing that she cared enough to make coffee while I was meditating, walk up two flights of stairs to the rooftop, not disturb me, put it next to me and cover it so that it stays warm and I can have it when I finish my meditation. So obviously that is going to put me in a different state towards her. And what do you think that's going to make me do? Is it going to make me want to abuse her more and say, do more for me, do more for me, do more for me? No, it's going to do the opposite. It's going to make me say, what can I do for her that's going to make her feel great? And I know that there's probably somebody listening right now and saying, you know, I do things for my spouse. spouse. He does nothing for me or she does nothing for me. So I would say it's going to fall into one of those two categories, either you have somebody that isn't giving and is not going to give back for you, or you're really not giving and you think you are, and you're like, you're truly not giving for the sake of giving. So I would, I would really, really ask you to dig down deep. And, you know, if you want to take some notes and say, you know, for the next month, I am just going to continue to give a hundred percent without any expectations of anything coming back to me. And if after that month, you truly feel like you've been giving and energetically the spouse or the significant other that you have is just not giving you anything in return, then A, it may be the wrong person or B, you may need to have a conversation with that person about how unfair it is. But I would think that there's a C in there. And the C in there is that you probably are giving and waiting for an expectation back from the person and not getting it and going, see, he or she doesn't do anything for me. Um, that was, I, I'm, I was literally writing down notes of 101 to say, but you just finished it because 
that's the biggest thing right there I hear with people. I've had this conversation. They're like, yeah, but you and Rob give to each other. Therefore, you are receiving. Therefore, you want to give. Okay. Yeah, no, it, it, it does. It's a reciprocity for sure because anything in life has reciprocity when it is right. It's like the circle of life, right? So do I know that the more good that I do for Rob, the more good I'll receive? Sure, but that's not why I'm doing it. I have showed up in every relationship that I can think of. Even the guys that were the absolute a-holes in my life, I still showed up and I gave and I gave and I gave. And guess what? If it was, if I always felt empty and I didn't feel filled up and I didn't feel love and I didn't feel respected and I didn't feel appreciated over time, sure, guess what? That's not the right guy for me. So I left. That's the reality. And, you know, if you have a conversation, like I know that I can sit down with Rob and say, I know you've been really stressed. I know that you've got a lot going on, but I really miss connecting with you. I know that he will then put it in his brain that he really wants to connect with me and make that more of an intention versus saying, you know, Rob, it would be really nice if da 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 da. Like your tonality and your energy and your intention and the way you approach things is different. There's a difference between making somebody a dinner and hoping they love it and then making somebody a dinner and going, did you even say thank you? You know, like, so there's a difference between that and energy and what he said about giving for the sake of giving without expectation and being able to have these open conversations, I think, is is where the magic is and saying, you know, I I want to play at a higher level relationship. So the the levels of relationship, I believe, are the lowest level is where you do you, I'll do me. And, you know, if we meet up, it's cool, right? And then the second one is I care about you, you care about me, I'll help you, you'll help me, but we're kind of still on our own trajectory and our own path. And, you know, that's where it's going to stay. But then that top level relationship is your dream is my dream. What lights you up lights me up. And and that's where we play. Uh, and that's where we try to play in every relationship. So so think about that. Think about going into, you know, when you hit, uh, when this podcast is over, if you're finding yourself in a, re- in a relationship where you feel like the other person is just not giving the way that you want them to give, switch things around and make the onus on you to just continually give them what lights them up to support them and what supports them and just see not instantaneously or not by tomorrow but over a period of time maybe let's quantify it by calling it two to four weeks somewhere in there of you just saying you know what this guy i know what's going to light him up i know the thing that he wants and I know the thing that she wants, and I am going to show up 100%. Even if I don't completely agree with it, I am going to, as, I mean, look, as long as it's legal, moral, and ethical, right? I am going to give at 100% because this is something that's important. See if you don't have a radical change in your relationship because of how you are um, showing up for the other person. Okay, so the next one is about giving your spouse or significant other feedback or, you know, critiquing what they do. How can you uh, give each other, let's say, negative feedback without damaging the relationship? And, you know, I think this is tricky because it all depends on the foundation of your relationship. 
you know, a lot of the things that Rob and I are talking about right now and how we approach things, how we approach the bed not being made, how we approach, you know, giving each other at a higher level, how we approach all of these things are because of the foundation of relationship we created. So if your foundation of your relationship is not solid, then I would say your first thing you should do is go back and sit down with someone. And it might be good to do anyway. And Rob, you and I can even do this in our next stop in Croatia. But what do you want in a relationship? Like what shows the other person love? Like what are the, what are their love languages? You know, for example, if one of the love languages, if you don't, what is it called? The five love languages, you can Google that. The five love languages. It's like a little test you can take. So if you Google five love languages, you take your test and your number one love language is like acts of service, but your spouse just keeps buying you small gifts, but doesn't do anything for you, just like buys you things. That spouse thinks they're doing the right thing by buying you things. But really what you want is for them to bring your coffee up in the morning and put a lid on it so it doesn't get cold. You know, so knowing the love language of your spouse is really important. Knowing what makes your spouse tick is really important. If you've been together for a long time, that could change. You know, if you've had kids, that could change. Lots of things change over the time of a relationship. So reconnecting with what lights that person up, what makes them feel loved and secure and taken care of and happy, what makes them feel like they're contributing, where did they feel like? Like I love when Rob and I have conversations and it's not like, hey, Rob, let me talk to you about where you're falling short. It's a better conversation to say, you know, here's where I feel like I'm falling short in our relationship. And if I tell Rob, you know, I'm I'm really sorry that I've been super stressed lately and I know I haven't been making dinner and I've been making you go get dinner and it's just been really overwhelming and blah, blah, blah. Rob will then go, yeah, you know, I've been really stressed too. And so we will announce where we are feeling that we're falling short, not the other person. So possibly when giving the spouse feedback, start with yourself and say, you know, this is what I feel like I was doing better in this situation, you know, and then possibly they will want to reciprocate where they feel like they're falling short. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's a couple of things that are coming up for me. One thing is... Are you uh, getting a download? I'm getting a download. The first one is um, a soft startup, right? This is a Gottman principle. And if you have something that's inside of you that you want to communicate to the other person, and if you just come out with it and you just say it, that is not a soft startup. That's a hard startup, right? So you're coming at it hard. And guess what happens? The other person gets defensive. But when you come at it in the way that you just described, it's more of a soft startup. That's that's the first thing. The second thing that sort of like leads into, or maybe sort of like puts an umbrella around the soft startup concept is that we're constantly talking to each other. We're constantly interacting at micro levels all day long and then, you know, much more on a macro level at night, you know, when we're opening a bottle of wine together and having a glass 
or two or 10. And, um, <laughs> depends you know, on the night talking about life. And what happens is when you have that level of intimacy with each other, where you can have these conversations that are more meaningful about life, then you don't have this giant elephant in the room that, you know, you have to get out because like, I, I like I'm thinking about, you know, when I have to talk to Kim about something that, you know, is really upsetting me that I just need to let her know. And I can't even think about a time where that I've had to do that because a lot of our conversations around areas that are landmines or touchy, we have very regularly. And so we chip away at them in micro doses and you understand what it is that I'm feeling. And I understand that what you're feeling about it. And it's not like we have to, I don't know. I just, we we don't have this come to Jesus where we need to sit down and talk about it because our communication is so open. And then the last part, and I'll shut up is about nature's being aligned. That's the other download I got there. Our natures are very much in alignment with each other. And when I think about, you know, I was married, um, God, 15 years ago, 16 years ago. No, whatever. we started dating 15 years. You got married in what, 98? Ago? Yeah, so whatever no, it was. No, Demi was born in 98. You got married in 96. Holy shit. Long time, right? That's a long time. That's a like long time. 23 was, years ago. How long was I married for? Three? Like four years? Yeah. So it's a long time ago. And when I think about, you know, applying any of what we're talking about to that relationship, it wouldn't have helped. It just wouldn't have helped. Our natures were just not in alignment with each other. So, you know, I, I like to be an optimistic sort of guy, and I don't want to tell you to end your relationship and, you know, if it's, if it's not right. But I also want to be pragmatic about this. It is possible. I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying it's possible that you could be in a relationship with someone where your natures are just not in alignment with each other. And that's not bad for him or her. It just is what it is. So, you know, we're very fortunate in that we have a nature that um, is very similar. So what I mean by that, for the people listening, there are things that I like to do and Kim likes to do them as well. So for example, an example of what we're doing right now, which is traveling Europe for four months together, not everybody would want to do that. Not everybody would have a nature that is in alignment with wanting to do that. And when you have somebody that really gets excited and loves to be, you know, on a plane um, every couple of weeks and and visiting a new country and being in a new air, in a new Airbnb, and that lights them up and the uh, lights the other person up too. Well, that works. And then you can apply a lot of these principles. But if you have somebody to use that as an example, that is like, hell no. I, you know, I got my mother that's around the corner. I don't want to leave my mother. I got my, you know, I got the grocery store. I love to get my tomatoes. I don't want to leave this place. And there's going to be a built-in frustration. So you, you know, if you're in that place, look into some, some of Tony Robbins' work on nature's being in alignment with each other because it's possible that they're not. And that that's actually a really good segue into the next one is, you know, a lot of people try to change their spouse. And, you know, who did you marry or who are you with? Like, why did you choose to be with them? What did you know about them at that time? Like, when I started dating Rob, I knew 
that he liked clean, empty spaces. I knew that he was, you know, had his neuroses around certain little OCD things. He needs to have fluffy towels and he needs to have, like he has all these tiny little things. The dishes need to be clean. And, you know, I never walked into his place and it looked like a bachelor pad. In fact, it looked like he just vacuumed every single day. And it was like, huh, okay. So like I'm picking up what he's putting down here. I'm I'm looking and I'm going, this is what he likes. Well, 10 years into our marriage, if I was like, oh my God, I can't take it anymore. I can't take that you can't have one thing out of place. Well, guess what? I married that. You bought, I, you bought what I was I, selling. I bought what he was selling. And conversely, he has known from day one that I love to travel, that I want to go to weird places, that I, I mean, I remember the day that I suggested instead of doing like the normal trip to LA every third weekend that we like save up the money we'd be spending and do a trip to Rio de Janeiro. Like I remember seeing the smoke come out of your ears, but you had enough of the travel bug that you were game. So if you're 15 years in and I'm going, hey, Rob, let's go to Montenegro. And you're like, you're fucking nuts. Like, what is this? I'm not traveling. I'm not doing all this crap anymore. That that wouldn't work out for us because he knew what he was getting when he started. So if you knew that your husband was lazy and his shit was all around his apartment and you thought that magically when you walked down the aisle, all of that was going to change. Yeah, it's not. So Now, let me give you the yin and the yang of that, right? So the other side of that coin is be careful not to freeze somebody in time, right? So if you have... I learned this one from, uh, from Darren White and Tony White uh, when we were in Greece. If you have a, if you if your natures are in alignment with each other, right, you like to do the same things. But for whatever the reason was, back then, five years ago, ten years ago, you were approaching things a certain way. But as all of us, we evolve, we change circumstances. You know, we just get older. We get older, and we look at things differently. Be careful not to freeze your spouse in time. Maybe as an example, you went through a rough patch with the person that you were with back then. And you've learned and grew and they learned and grew. And you may not approach things the way you did when you were 20 and now you're 30. So be careful not to freeze them in time for either A, mistakes that they've made because of um, where they were in their life. Maybe they were working all the time and they were stressed out. So they weren't great with the kids as an example, but now things are a little bit more settled and they're, they're not stressed out with the kids. And so, you know, maybe they're a father that, or a mother that is a different parent now, or they're a different husband now because of where they are. I can tell you I'm different at 50 I'll be 53. I'm way different now than I was at 43. I look at things differently. So be sensitive to not freeze somebody in time. And that's uh, that's great advice. What I would say is don't try to change people. Try to expand them. So, you know, let's say this is a big one. A lot of times one part of a relationship, one partner will be getting into personal development and they're starting to look inside and seeing their flaws and their limiting beliefs and you're doing all this work, right? But your spouse is still over there on the couch eating the Cheetos and doing the same life they used to. 
you're growing, they're not growing. And all of a sudden now you have these this knowledge and these tools and you're like, you know, starting to use this language that they don't quite understand because they're not reading the same book. Try to expand their mind versus changing them. Like, you know, Rob was so good about this with me because he had been doing personal development since like I was one years old. He was doing like a Tony Robbins seminar. How do you feel about that, Rob? Creepy. Creepy. But, you know, when he introduced me to Tony Robbins and Gottman and all of these different personal development things, he did it very, very, very slowly. And he would introduce a concept to me in a way talking about himself. So he would say, you know, it's so weird. I had this fear. I had this belief that I was just a poor kid from Queens. I couldn't make anything of myself. And then I read this book or listened to this podcast and I learned this, this, and this. And he still does it. I don't actually have to read any books or listen to any podcasts because I get the Cliff Notes version from Rob all the time. But when he does it, it helps me learn in bite-sized chunks. And it wasn't threatening because when you start changing yourself and you start looking into yourself and you start going past these limiting beliefs, what we tend to do is point the finger and start pointing out where everybody else's flaws are instead of inspiring them with the nugget of information you just got. So be very, very mindful to not try to change the other person, but instead try to drop nuggets in using you how it affected you in your personal change, in your personal story, in all of that versus pointing the finger and try expanding them versus changing them. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. So look, we are not relationship counselors. We don't know what we don't know. And uh, we also do know what we do know. So hopefully um, some of these examples may have resonated with you and you may be able to apply some of the strategies that we use with each other in your relationship. And hopefully if one or two of them work for you and your relationship gets better, uh, you'll send me 10 bucks. All right. So (laughs) that's it. Have a great day, everybody. And we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live. 